Glad you're here. We're going to pray together. Turn our eyes to Jesus. We all need to do that this morning. Call out to you, men. Men, we need you in this season. Men, we need you. Let's pray. Father, would you help us this morning to turn our eyes to you? Turn away from all that is uh, distracting us, maybe this morning, uh, the other things that are on our mind, that we could hear your word and your spirit in a brand new way. Turn away from the struggles that are just about to preoccupy us, oh Lord, and, and get the best of us when we think about all that's going on our season, this season right now in the life of the church, to turn our eyes to you to find help and blessing and direction and the leadership of your spirit for these days. To turn our eyes toward you for the brokenness, oh Lord, that sometimes we feel physically, emotionally. Pray especially today for Debbie Vernon, who's here today. That you somehow today, as she looks to you in morning worship, that you would comfort and console her in this tragic and tremendous loss of Mike, whom she loves so desperately. Be with the family as they gather this week, oh Lord, and, and may we all together turn our eyes toward you for the healing that can only come from the Lord today, I pray. May we turn our eyes to you today for joy because we believe, oh Lord, that your children are not to walk around in gloom and doom as if there were no God, as if there were to, no tomorrow to be excited about, if there's no, as if there were no heaven to look forward to. But we pray, oh Lord, that we would turn our eyes to you and find the joy of the Lord. We turn our eyes to you in celebration and anticipation of all that you're going to do, oh Lord. We thank you. We've been remembering and celebrating that Jesus came, that he was born in a manger, that he literally came to a cross and there died for our sin and carried everything that I have ever done. He carried on that cross, oh Lord, and, and, and was literally laid in the grave and was raised on the third day and his blood flows in my veins and we got a heaven to look forward to, oh Lord. Thank you for that today. We turn our eyes to you this morning. Would you help us as we, as we worship together, as we look to you together, particularly as we hear your word today, oh Lord. Your word is a powerful and wonderful thing in our lives. And I'm excited about sharing it. And I pray, oh Lord, for open ears and open hearts and open my mind, first of all. But then, Lord, that there would be something happen today in the lives of our church people. Men and women and boys and girls and even children, that there would be a there would be a word from the Lord today that we would hear while we're together. It's so important that we get the word of the Lord that, that guides our days and guides our thoughts. And So I pray, Lord, for a revelation of who God is more clearly as we look into your word today, oh Lord. As we look into your word today, may the Spirit of Jesus walk among us in a powerful way and do what you want to do. And thank you for this precious time together on this Sunday morning. Bless the many that are watching at home. And we pray, O oh Lord, that the same Christ that's present here would be present there, O oh Jesus. That somehow you could take this corporate experience that is not just limited to one place, but literally is, includes us all. And somehow today, O oh Lord, there would this, be this enfolding that begins to happen to us together. And I don't know how that's going to happen, but it's a burden for me today that the enfolding could happen. And that somehow, Lord, that we could be together even in different places today. And that your spirit would work in every place where, where we're gathered to hear your word this morning, I pray. Bless us and help us as we're together. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. So good to see you. So good to be here with you. Man. And uh, looks like the kids are going to.
Children's Church, if you're a kid, that means you have to be under 30, you know. <laughs> what a joy. What a joy. Well, I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here with you guys today. If you got your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Romans. And uh, I, I, I don't know, I know I'm just skipping all over the place right now, seems like. But I want you to turn to the book of Romans. And uh, we're going to look at chapter 12. If you've got, if you got, got it open to Romans already, look at chapter 12. And we're really going to look at verse 1 and then verse 9, 10, 11 down there. And that, that's going to jump all over the page. And I, sometimes I feel like I need to give to you an explanation as to how I end up here. I'm sure you wonder, why in the world does this pastor go from pillar to post, and how in the world does he end up? Because I was thinking about how we need to live in this season. That's what it was. How are we going to live, you know, when, when there's so much going on and so much turmoil and COVID continues to take its effect on us and school's out and they say school needs to be back in and, and teachers say we don't want to come and parents say, please get us out, get these kids out of my hair. I've had enough of this already. You know, it's just a season and work's different and life's different and everybody's different. And, and how are we going to live as Christians? How are we going to live? And as I begin to ask myself that question, somehow this, you know, this, this passage came to my mind. And I just, if you allow me to, I want to share it with you. Now, Romans chapter 12 is at the end. Really, when you get to chapter 12, you begin to be, get into the application side. It's really not fair to preach from chapter 12 without preaching all of 1 through 11 because in 1 through 11, Paul presents the gospel beautifully, unbelievably. And when he gets to chapter 12, he says, now this is what I want you to do with it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. This is how, this is how it's supposed to be worked down and played down and whatever. So uh, this morning, I, I'm not going to even attempt to, to summarize all of chapter 1 through 11, that would take us till mid-afternoon, which would probably be okay. But if you've got your Bible open, look at, the last, look at the last verse in chapter 11. And maybe this is not a bad summary for everything that's happened so far in the first 11 chapters. So this he's talking about Jesus and he says, So from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. From Him... Through Him and to Him are all things. So everything that God has been doing and wants to do in our lives, He wrapped up in the first chapter, 11 chapters and said, He has done all of this in Jesus for us. From Him, for Him, I'll mess that up. From Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. And then He moves into chapter 12, and, uh, and that's where I want us to look. Will you be open to chapter 12? Will you be open to it? Would you, you mind a vote? Let's pretend you're voting on a pastor. If you'll be open to the message of chapter 12, will you just raise your hand? All right, you've made a commitment. Ooh, I love that even better. Let me read verse 1. Let me read verse 1, and, and we're going to kind of get started just a little bit here if we can. You know, uh, one of the things, I, Dwayne Brewer, my brother-in-law, has moved to town, and his lifelong hero has been George Mueller. George Mueller uh, was a... Was a uh, a layperson pastor who ran a huge orphanage and literally spent his whole life in this prayer ministry where he just asked God for everything he needed. Did you know he said in George Mueller's journal there are over 60,000 entries of answered prayer? 60,000 things in his journal he said God answered this prayer. 30,000 of them he said happened either within the hour or within the day. 
So he has 30,000 records of answered prayer in his journal that he left for us to read. 30,000 that happened within 24 hours, many of them within the hour. But somewhere along the way, he, he began to figure out that praying was hard, man. His praying was hard. And so what would happen to him, he said, it'd take me 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour to even be ready to pray. I'd be on my knees saying, I need to pray. And my mind's going, anybody ever had that experience? My mind's all over the place. I'm thinking about what I need to do. I can't get focused. And so I'm trying to pray. And I want to pray. And I spend a half hour and I'm no farther than I was. And finally, most of us don't have that much time to give or won't give that much time. We're just kind of like, man, I can't do this. And so he learned something about 10 years in. He said, you know, I need to start with the Word. And if I start with the Word, it seems like it guides my prayer time. So I'll start with the Word and then I go into pray. When I go to pray, it comes easy. So what we're going to try to do is let the Word guide us as we go forward, and maybe our praying will be easier. And so as we, as we go into that, here's what I want you to look at in chapter 12, verse 1. So Paul says, therefore, and that means because of chapters 1 through 11, it's what I'm asking you to do, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. God doesn't need you to die. He wants you to live. You know that? God doesn't need you to die. He wants you to live. He wants you to live a sacrificial life that glorifies Him. So it's about living, man. It's not about dying today. I mean, we can talk about dying out to yourself if you want. That's all good and fine. But what He really says, Jesus, He said for 11 chapters, Jesus said, die. Now what I want to talk to you about now is life. Now I want to talk to you about life. Woo! And so what I want you to do, if you read Oswald Chambers this week, he said, would you be willing to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice? I mean, would you be able to, would you be willing to live? Okay, now let me, let me read on that one verse and try not stop at every word. So, I'm, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies for life, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is, and there's different translations that come out there, but I want to tell you this morning that the old King James translation is the best. So he says, here's what happens. If you will uh, offer your life to God, live for God, then what, what he says he wants to happen is, he wants you to live holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Your reasonable service to God. Now, I never really understood that uh, until fully until I began to study it this week and, uh, and, and I began to dig into it a little bit and I thought about, man, that's interesting. What is your reasonable service to God? Ever thought about it? What is your reasonable service to God? What's appropriate in your service? What is your and mine? I mean, you can look to your neighbor. You don't have to and say, wonder what his reasonable service to God is. And so Paul's done this great job preaching the gospel. He says, now I want you to live, man. And the way I want you to live is I want you to live in this life that is a reasonable service to God. So, I, you know, I've always thought about, well, that just means it's appropriate, it's right, it's whatever. And so I began to think about it, and I began to work on it a little bit, and, and uh, I began to say, huh, I wonder what that means. And so I dug into it a little bit, and I got an old commentator I love. And he says, it's service that is rendered by my reason. Reasonable, I'm still scratching my head going, what? And, that, and something began to happen inside of me. I thought about my reasonable service. And I thought about, and I'm going to tell you again, it's a good translation. The words in the text, the words in the original text, they're not words that say spiritual and worship. The, the Greek word says reasonable service. I mean, you've got to be doing your... Re so I begin to say, what is my reasonable service to God? And I came to this conclusion. When it comes to my reasonable service, I'm the one who determines what's reasonable for me. 
How do you feel about that? So when I say, what is your reasonable service to God? You say, well, what's reasonable for me to do? Huh. It's pretty interesting. What's re- you ever gone out with somebody? Occasionally this happens. And waitresses say it happens worse with church people. And you go out to eat and get a $60 meal because there's three, four of you, five of you. I don't know how many it would take to spend $60. Anita could spend that much by herself if she wanted to. But not sorry, Anita. I just like to throw, I just keep her in her place, you know. Forget all that stupidness. So you, you have this wonderful meal and you eat together and the waitress has been great handling and, and, and the guy who's in charge leaves a $2 tip. And they think that's reasonable. And I'm like, what are you doing? So usually... After everybody's gotten up from the table, I'll get my wallet and slip another 10 or, a, or 20 in there and say, that's a little more. But there are people, they think that's reasonable. It's my reasonable ser- this is my reasonable service to God. And so I got to read in this text that here's what Paul says. Now, in lieu of this great message of the gospel, what is your reasonable service to God? And I realized I'm the one that determines what's reasonable for me. In fact, I began to think about it a little more and I began to understand that I grew up with this saying, and my, my mother must have been the, the one that said it. She'd say, that's reasonable according to my way of thinking. Are you with me? That's reasonable according to my way of thinking. I don't know how many times I heard that. So I did what you all do. Maybe you don't. I do. I got on Google and I typed in quotes. That's reasonable according to my way of thinking. And it's amazing what comes up on Google when you do that. Reasonable according to my way. So let me give you some illustrations. This guy was telling to another guy about how much parts should cost for his car. And he says, that's a reasonable price, according to my way of thinking. There's a family going to go out on Christmas Eve for dinner, and they're going to a spaghetti place and say, this plate with, with spaghetti and one meatball costs this much. And the lady said, that's reasonable, according to my way of thinking. <laughs> how crazy, you know? And there was another one. It was, a, it was a high school shop teacher that was talking about the use of a table saw in high school. And he said, this is the way it ought to be used. And that's reasonable according to my way of thinking. And I began to realize something began to happen in my mind and my heart. And I began to think, reasonable according to my way of thinking. What is my reasonable service to God according to my way of thinking? Hmm. Most people think their reasonable service to God is show up on Sunday morning for one hour and get on with their lives. That's a little too honest, but that's true. According to my way of thinking, that's all that's required. That's reasonable service. <laughs> really? That's reasonable service? According to my way of thinking. I've got to dig around the text a little more and say, man, I've got to be real careful that I'm, but, but I, that I'm really doing with this right because I looked at the words and the words really are Two different little Greek words. One means logical, logical. What is my logical, my reasonable? And the other word means service. It comes from the word, it means latrine, which is, you know, clean the bathroom kind of thing. You know, so what is my logical way of operating? My logical way of operating according to my way of thinking or something like that. It's crazy. So I got out my little, my phone. I do all my study on my phone. So Let's don't totally throw the internet out because it's a, I'd lose all my, I'd lose everything I study if I didn't have it. So I got out my phone. I looked up a little Greek word and it's number 3050 and my Greek helps, number 3050. And it, it talked about that whole idea of uh, what does it mean to be logical in that, what does it mean reasonable? I want to offer, and, and this guy said so clearly, it doesn't mean reasonable according to you. It means what is reasonable according to God. Huh. So it's not, a, it's not a reasonable according to my way of thinking. It's a reasonable according to his way of thinking. 
See, well, Paul is saying, look what Jesus has done. And what I really want you to do, what I really want you to do is live a life in response to this according to. It's reasonable according to what God thinks about it. Oh, my goodness. I, I begin to understand. Uh, you know, I understand a little better now. Just try to walk away with me if you can. I know I do a lot of... No wonder when more contemporaries, authors, translated that word. They translated it spiritual worship. Because when you're doing it according to the way God thinks about it, it doesn't look like just whatever you think's best. It literally looks so spiritual, man. It looks like an act of worship because you're doing it <laughs> according to what God thinks about it. And so you've got this great gospel that's being presented. And at the end of it, chapter 12, Paul says, now let's get right down to where the rubber hits the road. Here's what he wants you to do. I want you to live your life in response according to the way God thinks. And it's going to be so beautiful that these new, new, newer Bibles translate, it's going to be spiritual and it's going to be like worship, man. Because you're not doing it according to your way of thinking. You're doing it according to his way of thinking. Wow. That's the reason he says we need to get our minds renewed. You know why you need to get your minds renewed? Because if you're not careful, you'll live your whole Christian life just according to what sounds best to you. Anybody want to say amen? I know exactly what that's like. I don't feel like doing this, so I don't do it. I don't believe in Bible studies real all that important, so I ain't ever going to study it. I'm not committed to a prayer time, so I probably won't get around to praying, man. I don't give. I mean, I don't give to the church. I don't give to ministries. I don't give to others. That's just the way I do it. Well, baloney, we don't care how you do it. He wants to know what's reasonable in response to the way God thinks. That's a whole different ballgame, man. It's a whole, yeah. So are we going to be reasonable according to the way God thinks? You, we, we may have to take our shoes off and get our toes off the ground because it gets a little, it, 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 you know. Uh, so uh, just be reasonable according to the way God thinks. I thought of a couple of illustrations, most of which I've told you before. And I don't mean to wear you out, but Brandon Manning spoke in New Mexico when he got done. He left, uh, he left everything the church paid him with a little Mexican family he stayed with. He said, for the next 30 days in a row, I've got a thank you note. That seems extreme, except not to those folks. They said, that seems like an appropriate response for what he's done for us. So for 30 days in a row, they sent him a thank you note. Well, what's reasonable? Send one note and be nice on it. And if you want to, send him a gift card and say, go take your, no, he's not married. Well, take one of your friends out for lunch or something like that. But to send a gift, to send a note for, what about, I mentioned to you often about uh, Bob Barefoot, who, uh, who lived in the Asbury College and Seminary community. There's a street named after him, who was just this radical worshiper. He'd come in all morning worship. And if you'd been here early, if Bob Barefoot had been here this morning when you got here, he'd been up front raising his hands and magnifying God before church ever started. You'd say, that's unreasonable. Not to have Bob Barefoot. He said, if the gospel is what Jesus said it's been, it's not unreasonable for me to start worshiping before the piano ever strikes the first note, man. Well, that's not reasonable. According to my way of thinking. I got, you think God was offended by that? Lord said, Bob, that's, that's ridiculous, man. What are you doing being in an interruption before morning worship? Lord said, uh, that's a reasonable response, Bob. So what happens in this, this great presentation of the gospel? Paul says, this is gospel, man. This is gospel. And here's what I want you to do, and we got to do it in this season. I want you to live out the reality of the gospel, not according to what's reasonable in your own way of thinking, but what's reasonable according to my way of thinking. Let me tell you about our African congregation. Man, if you don't, you ought to come around sometimes. 
Saturday's a day to come around and just hang around when the Africans are here. Oh, my goodness. It's a trip. It's fun. You ought to come. Well, let me, t- let me tell you about their little routine and see how, what you think about their routine. So they show up at morning, uh, Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And they go down into children's church room, which is down the hallway, first corner. The first, and it's a, little, it's a pretty good-sized room. And they get about 30 of them in there. And by the way, they leave all their shoes out in the hallway. Anyway, that's a whole different story. They leave all their shoes out in the hallway. And they go in that little room and they pray from 9 till 2 p.m. And we all say, that's unreasonable. I ain't got time for that. That didn't even make sense according to my way of thinking. Don't we? 9 to 2? What are you going to do in there? We'll just walk by. Pastor Matthew is praying at the depth. I don't, he must have lungs that are solid steel. I mean, you go by there all day long. Ooh, he's praying. Oh, I love to. I don't know what he's saying because he's speaking in some. But I'm telling you, for five hours long, every Saturday morning, 30 of them are gathered in that room praying as hard as they can pray. And we would all say, that's unreasonable, man. I ain't good grief. Paul said, don't do what's reasonable according to your way of thinking. Now, I'm not saying you've got to pray five hours. I'm just trying to illustrate the point that we get a nice little strategy. I get up next Sunday morning and go back to church. And I go, that's what's reasonable in my mind. You know what, what Paul says? Let's don't do what's reasonable in your mind. Let's do what's logical to God. Now, let's talk about our Africans a little more. You want to just for the fun of it? Just, just so we'll all feel like a bunch of lowlifes. You, you, your goal was to come to church today and feel like a lowlife, wasn't it? So they get out at 2 o'clock and then they start choir practice. So they've been there five hours in the, in the back room singing or praying, and then they start choir practice, and they move their drums, and they move their, their guitars, and, and they start choir practice. And prayer, choir practice goes from two till seven. Now, there's a couple of different choirs there, but now imagine your day. Now, every Saturday is, uh, we're going to meet the church at nine. We're going to pray till two. We're going to get three breaths of fresh air and we're going to choir practice and we're going to practice till 7 p.m. And you say, Pastor, that's absolutely unreasonable. I don't have time. Good night is down for me, Pastor. I don't even think. Because that's unreasonable to my way of thinking. I'm not sure it's unreasonable to God. But sure unreasonable for us. See, you've got, to th- you've got to deal with the text. I, want to, I don't want to beat us up, but the text says, here's what you need to do. You need to offer spiritual worship. King James said you need to offer reasonable service. And by the way, the reasonable service is determined by God and not by what you think fits your schedule the best. This is a whooping right here, I'm telling you. It's a whooping. And you begin to say, oh my goodness. Well, let's talk about the service they'll have today. You want to? <laughs> They'll come in here at 2.30 and they'll start shaking cans. It's got beans in them. <laughs> and they have a couple of bongo drums over there and they'll sing and they'll sing and they'll sing and they'll sing and they'll sing. And, they'll sing and you know what they'll do after that? And they'll sing and they'll sing and they'll sing. And they'll look, all the girls will get up over and dance around and they'll sing. And they'll start at 2.30 and somewhere around 6 o'clock they'll be done. Their kids are all here, by the way. <laughs> Their kids are all here now. They don't watch them very well. They just roam around. They come in. They go out. They go down the hallway. They play around in the nursery. And they just... But for three and a half hours, it's unreasonable. Isn't it? According to my way of thinking, that's unreasonable, isn't it, Jess? Yeah, it's too... Oh, come on, man. Yeah, that's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. Huh. And I get to look at the text... And I'm not suggesting that 
We need to be African. Their culture is different than ours. I know that. I got that. I got that. I understand that. But what I have to be careful with is that I don't determine how I live my life according to my way of thinking. Sometimes God has a different... <laughs> I thought about it. I, I could make a long list, but I'm not going to. I thought about uh, W.B. Gobby, who was an old holiness preacher at the turn of the century, who memorized the New Testament in the Greek language. How different, how stupid is that? Would you think that's ridiculous? A man would go to the trouble to memorize the Greek New Testament? My, that's unreasonable according to my way of thinking. Hmm. We had friends at uh, the seminary, Bob and Lori Bracey, Two little boys. They went to Papua New Guinea to the middle of the most remote, one of the most remote parts of the world and, and, to be missionaries. Come on. It's unreasonable. <laughs> I thought about in our days at Trinity, only a few of you go back to Trinity now. Lenore Hussing. Miss Hussing lived... Ah, uh, three blocks from the church down right behind a Waffle House on Cane Run Road. Every Sunday morning, she bought a bag full of donuts and a one-gallon container of Kool-Aid for all the kids that came in so they could have a little snack before Sunday school. She walked it every day. Walked it every Sunday morning. Ah, come on. That's a, oh, where we go again? That's unreasonable. Or my way of thinking. What about Don Taylor? Don Taylor. Listen to this. Talk about unreasonable. Every Friday night for over 40 years, every Friday night for over 40 years, went to the prisons and ministered to those guys in prison. Come on. Come on, Don. It's unreasonable. We can talk about that stuff. Okay, I don't, you don't have to be Don Taylor. You don't have to be Lenore Hussing. You don't have to be Bob and Lori Bracey. You don't have to be W.B. Gobby. You don't have to be African. You don't have to be the family that sends 30 thank you notes. You don't have to be Bob Barefoot. But you do have to say, am I only living my life according to what I think is most reasonable for my response to the gospel? I had a couple of times last year. Thank goodness it hadn't happened this year yet. <laughs> A couple of times last year, the Lord seemed to want me to give my whole paycheck back for two weeks. We get paid every two weeks. It's like, Anita, you just go in with fear and trepidation and say, Anita, I love you, honey. You're a sweet girl. And the Lord wants us to give my check paycheck back. She's like, no, she, okay, okay. That's unreasonable. So two times, I just sign on the back and put it back in the place. Only twice, thank goodness. Now watch, I'll have to do it next time I get paid because of this. <laughs> but it's unreasonable. Well, you're the pastor. Okay, what about you? You don't have to do what I do, but you've got to do it. Don't you got to do what you've got to do in response to the great news of the gospel? Hello, guys, come on. You need, we need to get in this. You need to start acting like you're a congregation that talks back and says, I'm, I'm hearing you, preacher. I'm hearing you. I'm limiting my walk to what I think fits my schedule and is reasonable for me and I can afford and I'm interested in and I believe would work according to my personality and so that's what I'm going to be. That's what, and you know, 
Paul said, listen, this is the good news of the gospel. It's about everything is from him and through him and to him. It's all for his glory. And so you need to figure out not what is my reasonable response, but what, what is a reasonable response to God in terms of what he wants for my life. Man. Think about Francis Chan who pastored a huge church in California, I think. And everybody's surprised when he let go of this huge congregation, huge ministry. Some of you read his books and said, I'm going to go to Hong Kong and start some home churches. Really? It's reasonable for him. Man. So, I really didn't start with verse 1. I started with verses 10, 11, 12 down in there. So i got to get down there too. If you don't mind, go down there with me. But as we get down close to that, let me don't, don't, don't forget. Don't forget that the call of this chapter is don't just do what seems reasonable to you. What is a logical response in service to God? To God. So you get down, before we get down into I want to read verses 9, 10, 11, especially. That's where I want to stop. But, but I, I want to tell you, there's a couple of questions this chapter answers that is important, and, and that is, it's about loving others. It's about serving others. It's about letting your love be genuine and loving what's good and hating what's ugly and, and really having mutual love. It's about this whole love thing. You know, John Wesley said, if you're talking about anything but more love, you're talking about the wrong thing. He's talking about becoming a greater lover, man. Hate evil, love good, all of that, all of that, all of that. And this passage answers two or three questions for me. Paul does something really interesting here when he talks about loving others. Most of you know that the word for brotherly love is Philadelphia, from which we get Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia in the New Testament is phylos, which means love, and delphos, which means brother. So Philadelphia means brotherly love. So one time he's talking about others, he says, now this is the way you need to love your brother. But there's another time that he says, philostorgos, which means you need to love your family. Wow. Just went from... Talking about loving one another, you said, okay, you need your little love your brother. Now you need to love your family. And then he had a third time, he said, philozenia, which means you need to love strangers. So he's covering the whole gamut, man. He's talking about your brothers, your family, and your strangers. All of them. What is my responsibility, oh Lord? What is an appropriate, reasonable response to my brother, to my family, to the strangers? What is an appropriate response? What is my reasonable service to those guys? And then I get this little passage. I just want you to read with me, and I'll be done in a little while. Let love be genuine, verse 9. Hate what's evil, hold fast to what's good. Then verse 10 and 11 is really what got me. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Four little principles came out of that for me, and, and I promise they won't be long principles. But, but I do want you to hear them because they're just huge in my mind. One of the things he says there, and that it's an interesting little word in, in verse 10. He says, my version says, outdo one another. You know what that word is? It's such an interesting New Testament word. It says, this is what that word is. Get this now. Listen, listen, listen. listen. This word means be first in everything. In everything. Be the first one every time. Be the first one. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being first? Well, they haven't called me. I don't matter. 
They don't seem to have any interest. Be first. Lord, help us to hear, I pray. Be first in everything. <laughs> I can't hardly keep from when I, I told Trevor about this sermon. All I wanted to think about was the church. I say, okay, anybody want to share a testimony? Boom, everybody said, I'm first. It ain't typically like that, is it? Oh, we're going to raise an offering today, and I need somebody to give $100. That's me, baby. That's me. I'm the one. I have to go home and get it out from under the mattress. But I got it, and I'll bring it. Be first. Well, so-and-so ain't been here for six weeks, and I don't know if they're even interested. I don't know if be first. Is that your reasonable service? No, reasonable is wait till they call you and, and let somebody else be, you know, I'm in a place right here. I'm in a place right here. I don't know where this message is going, guys. Thank you, Larry. I don't know where this message is going, but it sounds like the call of the gospel is pretty serious for the church. And he says, I don't really care a whole lot about what your opinion is, what's reasonable for you is the bottom line. The bottom line is what does God see as reasonable? And what he sees as reasonable is that you love your brother, you love your family, and you even love the stranger in such a way that you choose in every situation to be first. Can you imagine being married to a man who's always first in his service to you and his love for you and his attention to you and the way he cares for you? He takes a garbage out before you even ask him to. Really? My wife has to ask me to get the oil changed at least 27 times before I get it done, you know. If I was first, the word is an unbelievable word to me. It says just be first in everything. I want that to settle on us a little bit. You say, well, it's just not my personality. I don't care if it's your personality or not. Hello? I didn't suit the way I think. I don't care if it suits the way. This is not about the way you think. It's about what he's calling us to do. It's not reasonable for me. I don't care if it's reasonable for you or me, either one. It says, this is what it says. You've heard the good news of the gospel. Now, I want you to have a, a reasonable service in response to that. Not according to the way you think, but according to the way he thinks. I want you to have it for your brother and your family and even the strangers. And one of the ways you do that is be first, man. Be first. Be the first one. So-and-so doesn't have groceries. I'll get them. We have a lady who's not here right now. This Sunday morning, cars of cars broke down. I'll take care of that. Man. I'm just going to walk around up here and have fun. <laughs> Can you imagine? If the church was full of people said, man, I'm, I'm on it. I'm first. <laughs> Me? Jeannie Birding's car. She can't get to church because she doesn't have a car to run right now. She thinks the starter's bad. I got it. I got it. She'll be here Wednesday night because I'll get that puppy fixed between now and then. And you know what? I... I speak today as your pastor. There's about four or five guys have written that down in their mind. One of them will take care of it. But most of us, doesn't have nothing to do with me. It's not, it's not reasonable according to my way of thinking. 
shoot. This may be my last Sunday. I don't know for sure. <laughs> so he said, outdo one another. And then the next Greek word was spude. Spude. You know what spude means? Do it quickly. Do it quickly, man. You know what happens if you don't do it quickly? Come on, what happens if you don't quickly? You don't do it. You don't do it. Do it quickly. <laughs> Literally says, <laughs> I'll do one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Man, do it quickly. Do it quickly. It was interesting. I was one day this week. I've been working on this text. And I need to tell you, I'm not real good at this text in my life. It was in the middle of the afternoon and and sometimes because I start early, I get tired. And so I was going to take a 10-minute nap. That's my favorite time, 10 minutes. It's a power nap. It gets me over the hump, man. I laid down. I had my phone by me, which is a stupid mistake. And, and as soon as I laid down, it's like, man, you need to check, call and check on Herb. Anna's in the hospital or she's in a, in a, a rehab center right now. And they're really going through it. And you need to call and check on Herb. You know my typical response would be, I'll call her when I wake up. But I've been reading this text. Like, okay. Hey, Herb, it's the pastor. I wish the Lord would make that happen to me every situation I might find myself in. But it's far too easy to say, I'll do that as soon as I get this nap over with. And Anita would say, did you write it down? No, I remember it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. Yeah, about three days later. And so, uh, do it quickly. Now, here's the next word in there. Uh, again, I think the word, uh, actually in verse 11, my version says, do not lag in zeal. Don't lag. And that word is an interesting word in the New Testament. I don't know what yours says, but it means don't be lazy. You know, some jobs we say, I can do that in five minutes, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. This word means don't do it tomorrow, do it right now. Don't only do it quickly, but do it right now. Most of the jobs I try to do around the house, I tell my wife, it's just a 10-minute job. Any guys, you ever do it? It's just a 10-minute job. Well, then won't you take the next 10 minutes and do it? Because I, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And this version says, this love thing, man, this following the direction and living in a, in a reasonable response to God says, here's what you need to do, man. You need to leave it in a reasonable response to God. You need to be first every time. You need to do it speedily. And you don't need to put it off to tomorrow. I, I, I got to digging around that a little bit. I've been digging around that chapter all week. And, and I, I found an interesting little phrase, and I had to look it up. Listen, just ride along with me. Just tolerate me for a minute. Some old writer said, sometimes we experience vexation from getting weary while we wait. Just get worn out. We're just waiting before we do anything, you know. He says you experience vexation. I thought, what in the world does vexation mean? I know you guys are smarter than me, but I didn't know. I thought vexation meant confusion. He says, what happens is you get... <laughs> I looked the word up. It didn't mean confusion. It meant trouble. You know why we have trouble? Because we don't do what we know we ought to do, when we ought to do it, which is right now. And we let time go by. We didn't speak the word. We didn't give the gift. We didn't do what we should have done. We didn't pray the prayer. And because we didn't, we experienced trouble. How many times you wish, man, I wish I just went ahead and... Sorry. There's one more. The last one in verse, or the, I didn't deal with all of them. Seems like I'm just all over the page. My version says, be ardent in spirit. I don't, yours may say, be fervent in spirit. I don't know. But it basically means just be boiling water. 
Just be boiling water. I mean, be zealous for the Lord. Be excited. Let the Lord be working in your life where you're hot. I mean, you're boiling. You're bubbling. I'll I'll tell you right now, I don't know exactly how it's happening, but there's three or four men right now that are boiling. Wednesday night, we listened to one that was boiling, bubbling, 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 bubbling. He's bubbling. He's bubbling this morning, too. And so what Paul says in Romans, you've got this good news of the gospel. Man, let me, let me sum it up for you. Everything that is from him and through him and to him. Everything. It's all for his glory. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to live in response to that great news. Not according to what's most reasonable in your mind, but according to what's reasonable in his mind. And I want you to do it for your brother and your family and even the strangers. And I want you to go first. I want you to go now. I don't want you to wait till tomorrow. And I want you to keep your spirit bubbling, 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 bubbling. I said, man, Lord, this kind of person changes the world even in COVID. This kind of person makes a difference even when our whole society's turned upside down. You see what happens to us, guys? It's very simple. We do what suits us. We do what fits us. We live with a maxim that says, well, the truth is, that's a reasonable according to my way of thinking. And uh, I would challenge you this morning with the word of the Lord that says, uh, the reasonable response to our God is to do what he wants us to do. I know you all guys all know that. Praise team's going to lead us in a song. We're going to just sing before we go home. And it's a song about saying yes to God. I just say yes, God. I just say yes. Would you, would you join me in prayer? We're going to sing before we go home. And is there any way you need to respond in this time? Please do so. Lord, I, I feel like I preached to a pretty quiet audience today. I'm not exactly sure what that's all about. I pray you protect me from projecting anything. What I do know is I've tried to be faithful to your spirit and to your word. And your word is strong today, Lord. It's a strong word that says it's about life, guys. It's about life. And I'm hearing that. Somehow, Lord, I'm hearing that. And, and I pray that you'd help us. Most of the time we do what fits in our comfort zone. Most of the time we do what we can afford. Most of the time we do what we have time for. We do what's according to our way of thinking. And maybe we need to get out of that. Maybe we begin to say yes to what you want. And maybe we learn to do that again and again and again. Maybe you renew our mind. and We quit thinking about what I can do and begin to think about what you want to do. And we begin to live that way. Begin to live that way. Lord, with a pastor's heart, and I know I've got one. It's not enough that this message would just fall like a blanket over the church. It's got to come to individuals. It's not enough that some message would be heard by the whole congregation. It's about men and women and husbands and wives and single adults.
sitting in this chair and that chair and this chair and that chair. It's one thing to lay a message out for everybody, which I've tried to do. It's another thing to say this message is for you and you and you and me and you and you and you. We would all love to be part of a church, this local church, where we get beyond ourselves. We get beyond what we're capable of. We get beyond what we can afford. We can get beyond what we got time for. We get beyond what's comfortable. Begin to do what you want. We take the first step. We do it speedily, and we do it now. And your spirit begins to bubble and boil in our very beings. I know a couple of guys right now, Lord, that the Spirit's bubbling in. I pray it just continue. Somehow to get infectious and contagious among us. And more and more and more of us would lay down our small agendas and say, Lord, I'm going to do what you want. Because it's from you and through you and for you and everything to the glory of God. Make it simple for us, Lord. Trevor said the problem is we're not hearing. We don't hear. We don't hear the Lord say, do this, don't do that, give this, step up. We don't hear. Would you open our ears today? Not as a congregation, but as individuals so that we could hear. And not shut it down by saying that's not reasonable according to my way of thinking. Raise us up to serve you in our lives in these days in the wonderful, precious name of Jesus. I pray. Amen. Amen. We stand together and let's sing and then we'll go home after that. You knock on the door of my heart and I will answer you. Yes, I will answer you. You make me a covenant of love and I will walk with you. Yes, I will walk with you. I'm not afraid I'm not afraid anymore Cause your love has made a way We say yes God We accept the invitation to your love We say yes waters that are calm and 
and I will follow you. Yes, I will follow you. Oh, you're dancing and singing over us. Yes, Lord, and I will dance with you. Yes, I will. I will dance with you. Cause I'm not afraid And I'm not afraid anymore Cause your love has made a way We say yes, God We accept the invitation to your love Oh yes, we do We say yes, God for you and you alone can have it all. We say yes. We say yes, God. We accept the invitation to your love. With everything we have, we say yes, God. For you and you. church this morning women are over there and men are over here I'm not exactly sure what that's about but we're going to go home in a minute and uh, maybe you're a man that needs to be in this group women don't leave girls no come back here kiss you come back come back up for a minute go back over there Sylvia thank you thank you 
Maybe you're a man that needs to stand here and a lady that needs to stand there. Would you, would you move and we're going to pray a dismissal prayer if you need to. If you said, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Just go ahead and put yourself in that group. Don't mean to embarrass any of the rest of you. If you're not there, you know, it's not where you feel. It's, it's okay, I guess. All right. Thank you, Larry. Let's pray, Lord. Lord, first of all, I want to tell you, these people don't have to jump through my hoops, Lord. You can be standing right out there making a similar deep commitment or at your home. You don't have to jump through the things that I try to put together. But we do have to respond to the Word of God. And the Word calls us to get beyond, to get beyond, oh Lord, what we think is within our ability and begin to say yes to you. I pray, Lord, you'd raise up some men and women, some young people, and even some kids in our church that are ready, are ready to say, Lord, what do you want? What do you want, Lord? The best I know how. I'm going to say yes to you and be faithful and obedient in the days to come. Bless your people, Lord. Thank you we got to be together this morning and bless those that are online and uh, Pray that somehow this message would creep through the internet and and would embrace those that are not in the building in a way that is just equally as meaningful and powerful and helpful. And we'll give you all the praise and thanks and glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say amen. Lord bless you all. You're dismissed. See you soon. See you soon. See you soon.